I say it all the time. God gives us grace. Nobody is sitting here without fault. Nobody is perfect. And if God can give us grace, why shouldn't we give it to our kids? Why shouldn't we, we demonstrate that to them? Welcome to part two of episode 17 of Partner Up, your church school partnership podcast. Each week, we bring you inspirational stories and practical tips to help you in your church school partnership. Today, we're continuing our interview with Roxana Barnes of Leaf Independent School District. Last week, we talked about the basics of restorative discipline, and this week, we'll talk more about how churches can use this as they partner with their local schools. Join us as we continue our conversation with Roxana. Okay. Mm -hmm. So an explanation of consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, I would think from what you were talking about earlier, just helping people to understand um, emotions and listening. Like I would feel like that could be maybe a more positive way to help people Mm -hmm understand consequences like maybe some people are bullies and they say something and they don't realize the negative effects that it has on another person I don't know if there's any of that well (laughs) and that's true for Uh some of our kids Uh yes but for some of our kids you know I go back to that empathy we have to teach kids the importance of empathy we have to show it to them we have to show them what it feels like they have to hear what it sounds like they have to know what it is a lot of our kids today they don't have empathy and it's because it's not being taught so if you don't know what it means to care for one another i can tell you Mm. yeah i could tell you what you should do but if they've never experienced Mm -hmm. it they're not going to know how to how to do it to give that yeah how to do it Mm. themselves i see now some kids it would they you can say those things and it will be eye-opening for them and they will stop but there are some that know interesting okay so then this this makes me think that there is room for say volunteers or churches to come in and show students Absolutely. one-on-one what empathy and listening and mm-hmm. all of that looks like. Um, so with Loving Houston, we're helping churches to volunteer with schools. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I was trying to figure out was how can churches and church volunteers kind of demonstrate these restorative discipline, core practices, core principles as they volunteer with schools? And do you have some ideas about what that could look like? Oh, so many things. Just number one, keep coming. Keep going to the schools. Definitely have kids. Pick kids to mentor. Seeing positive faces, um, smiles on your face. Teaching them the importance of human connection, the importance of interacting with other adults. Teaching them how to interact with with each other. Um, Restorative circles. Your church volunteers can do restorative circles. We can train them to do restorative circles and sit and just listen to our kids. The kids will get to know them. The kids will get to know each other. And they have that opportunity just to talk, just to be kids and just to talk. And it shows them that their feelings matter. Kids today say that they are not listened to. They are not heard. Adults don't listen to them, and restorative gives them that opportunity to be listened to and to be heard. And it's not a time for us to counsel kids. 
it's just a time for us to, in a structured setting, to listen to children, to talk to them, to listen and talk to each other. You can get to know what's on their mind. Once you've gotten to know your kids by doing just simple GTKY, which is getting to know you circles, once you do that, after that, you can start teaching moral lessons within those circles. You can do a, a circle on respect. You can do a circle on friendship. You can do one on bullying. You can do one on resiliency, things that our kids need to know. Can you explain a little bit what a circle looks like? So we sit in circle, and you can either sit on the floor or you can grab chairs, and everybody's sitting in a circle. You have guidelines that you follow. We make sure that we are okay, you know, we that everybody understands what the guidelines are, listening from the heart. You say just enough. We talk to them about listening to others. Um, we have a talking piece so that whoever has that talking piece is the person that speaks right now. You know, we ask for you not to speak unless you have that talking piece. Now, the facilitator can suspend the talking piece if they want to have a group conversation if something powerful was said, okay? And we just make sure that it's a safe environment for the kids to share. Now, when you first start, you may have a few kids, oh, and we, sorry, we let them know that they can pass. It's okay for them to pass. In the beginning, if you're brand new, you that facilitator is new and the kids are not comfortable with each other, you're going to have some kids that will pass. You will have several that will pass, but it's okay. It's not that it's not working. They have to get comfortable with you. You have to get comfortable with them, and it's all about building that relationship. But we sit in circle. We, we ask questions just to get to know our kids. You can have a theme to tie it all together or a positive affirmation at the beginning, then you do your questions, and then you close it out with a positive affirmation. You can close it out with song. Whatever you're feeling that day, whatever you want to do with those kids at mm, that moment. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And is there somewhere to go for resources about how to do a circle well, like how to set guidelines, how to ask questions? Actually, you can contact me. Okay. Okay, because I have lots of resources awesome. and guidelines. Mm -hmm. You can go online as well. And if you just put in restorative circles, you'll have all sorts of things that will come up. I am willing to definitely come back and train some of your volunteers, if you like, in circles. And what I do is we actually go through circle, and then, you know, I will give you the materials that's needed. And it's I think it's a great thing. That is a wonderful thing for the volunteers to do. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. How long, approximately, does one circle last? Like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes? It's according to how many people are in your okay. circle. Mm -hmm. We prefer for you not to, I would say, if you can, don't have any more than 10. Okay, 10, okay. maybe 15 in a okay. circle. Uh -huh. But if you can go with 10, it should not take you any more than about 20 minutes, okay. maybe, mm -hmm. according to what the conversation is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then I was thinking, um, does this, do you do the restorative discipline in elementary, middle school, high schools, or is it mainly one particular age group? We do it at all, at all levels. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so during the course of a school day, when would that happen? I'm just thinking like, you know, people are, the kids are going from class to class to class. Like when would something like this happen? Well, okay, so every campus is different. Okay. Okay, mm -hmm. so I have a couple of my elementary campuses. I have two of my principals, and they schedule circles throughout the year. I see. So okay. I have one, for example, her 
Teachers had one in August when they first came back. Then they'll have another one in October. They'll do one right before they go to Thanksgiving. They do one uh, for Christmas when they leave for Christmas break. When we come back from Christmas break, New Year's, they do it when they come back. They'll do one for spring break. She schedules it throughout. And then I have other teachers that are principals, I should say, on their campuses. They schedule them every morning. Like I have some elementaries, the first thing they do as soon as they get to school is they have circle time, the first 15, 20 minutes of class. And then some of my older grades, those teachers, some of them are doing them once a week. Some of them will do them once a month. It's just all according to that teacher and them managing their time. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so each teacher or instructor at that campus is Mm -hmm. trained to do circles so they could do it in their classroom. Mm -hmm. On most of our campuses, Uh yes. Uh Absolutely. Okay. And they can do it in their classrooms. They can do it in their, if they're a, a, um, a coach or if they have a after school group, Mm -hmm. they can do it with those groups as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because originally, like at the very beginning, when we were first starting to talk about this, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, this is awesome, but I feel like it would take up so much time away from the instruction time. Mm -hmm. But then as you were talking, I was realizing that it actually creates the environment where learning can actually happen Yes. because if you aren't doing this and you aren't providing or building this foundation of love and comfort, the kids aren't going to learn anyways. Yes. And it's all about your timing. It's all about you. You have to make sure that you have the time to do it. You have to plan it out and you have to have the time to do it. If you want to say, okay, every Friday, like for my secondary teachers, most of them will have a set time when they do it. Like every Friday, you know, some of them will do their circles, those that are doing it. Some will do maybe a Wednesday. You know, I know our our alternative learning campus, ALC, they do theirs on Wednesdays, okay? And as part of them teaching their students social skills as well. It's just according to you and that teacher being structured and using your time well. This is why we say schedule it because, you no, you can't. Until in order to do a true circle and classes are 50 minutes a day, you can't do them daily. That's why we do the two-minute connection. So the two-minute connection is a smaller version okay. of a uh-huh. circle. It takes you no more than two minutes, and that's way that way, as soon as the kids come in, and this is daily, you your first warm-up is that two-minute connection. You ask the positive question, you let the kids answer it, and then they sit and you get right into your lesson. Or if you're in the middle of a lesson, you can take a brain break, and then that's your two-minute connection goes there. Or you can do it at the end of class. Can you give an example of a question that a teacher would ask for a two-minute connection? Okay. Well, you know what? I This is my favorite because I always know what the kids are going to choose. Some of my teachers will say, okay, Takis or Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the kids pick Takis. Takis yes. <laughs> For sure, I guess. <laughs> and they just go around and they say what they mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. You know, some That's of them, cute. you can ask a question like, what was the last movie that you saw? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the kids will go through and they'll answer the question. That's fun. Okay. That's fun. Or what's your favorite rap artist? Mm-hmm. You ask them that. They'll mm-hmm. go around and they'll tell you what they like. 
I love that. Mm-hmm. Just something to, and it's something that they will want to answer. Right. That's the other thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's engaging them, giving yes. them a voice, making them feel comfortable, saying something mm-hmm. out loud, letting them know, know that they're heard. Yes. And mm-hmm. yeah, just getting to them on their level and mm-hmm. asking them a personal question. I yes. Love that. So absolutely. many different amazing things mm-hmm. in that simple question. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. And I like what you were saying earlier about that educators in schools have to take the time to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that it makes sense for educators and teachers in schools to make time for it. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not making time to listen, to make the students feel comfortable, they're not going to be in a space where they're able to learn and take in any instruction that's coming. So absolutely, it just makes sense to me for them to make the time to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have had being a teacher, uh, being a, a theater teacher for 18 years, I would always have kids to say to me, Miss Barnes, you really love your job. You love your job. I can tell. And of course I do. You know, you, you actually like listening to us, Miss Barnes. Yeah, I do. You know, I would always listen to them. I would always give them that opportunity. Before, I didn't even realize I was doing restorative discipline until after getting trained in restorative discipline. And I said, oh, wow, I do that. I've been doing that because Mm -hmm. I was circling with my kids. I've been doing it, you know, and they really value it. They love coming to class. They want to be with you. You're setting that that safe environment is so important for our environments to to be safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, so I hear a lot of, um, as we're talking, the restorative aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Is there a discipline aspect also? Well, if you have to use it, yes. Okay. So the number one thing is with restorative discipline, it's all about restoring the relationship. So if there is a problem, if we have a kid that, that misbehaves or messes up in a major way, it's not about the behavior that the kid displayed, it's about the relationship being broken. How did you make me feel when you did that, when you acted the way you did, when you participated in that action? Okay, And so that there are questions that we use to sit and we talk to that kid, you know, and we let them process through and tell me, what were you thinking when you did what you did? How did that make you feel? What should you have done? You know, on that last question, we make sure that we ask them, what do you want to do to make things right? What can you do? So we give them the opportunity to say how they can make things right. The other thing is with that is we take care of the kid. If there was another person, whether it's a kid, whether it's adult or what have you, that person that was affected, we take care of them as well. We sit and we talk to them separately. How did that action make you feel? When this was done to you, what were you thinking? What do you think needs to be done to make this right? What do you need from this other person? So you're taking care of that other person that was harmed. So it takes care of the person that did the harm and the person that was harmed. That's great. Those are great questions to ask. I was just thinking that a lot of times um, mentors are probably paired with students that get into a lot of situations like this. And mm-hmm. so these questions are great questions to ask mm-hmm. or for the mentor to ask the child to get them to think through what it was that maybe caused them to 
get into the situation mm-hmm. with the other person. And then I love the fact that you're asking the same questions to the person who was affected mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. oftentimes those aren't, they aren't in the equation. You're just talking to the one yes. who committed the offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what we're, we're showing them that we value you. Yeah. We understand right. that this, this happened. And mm-hmm. sometimes you would be amazed what happens just by sitting and, and asking those questions. You know, we have to, of course, make sure that that, both parties are ready to talk and you never put them in a room together you always do it separate now once if they are ready to come back together and they need to apologize we have to make sure that that they're both are ready for that and we can bring them together and have that conversation but if they're not ready you never put them together but the number one problem that we see with restorative, and this is just for some people, it's that reluctance to give up the power to punish. Mm. That old school, traditional discipline. Yeah, interesting. And we just have to keep in mind, we no longer have traditional students. We don't have traditional students that come from traditional families, Mm. that come from traditional homes. We don't have that anymore. Yeah, so it's that that reluctance to give up the power to punish, you know, because restorative, it's a shared commodity where we're working together with it. You know, a consequence is, again, teach lessons. If you have a relationship with that kid and they messed up, they will sit and they will tell you what they feel they should do to make it right. They'll tell you, this is what we should do. This is what I should do. But you need that mm-hmm. relationship, that foundation yes. of relationship first. Mm-hmm. And yes, and you cannot correct a kid if there's no relationship. If there's no foundation, you cannot correct a kid. You have to connect before you correct that kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Connect before you correct. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. That's true because they're not going to listen. No, no, they <laughs> there's won't. There's no, yeah. It's like talking to a stranger. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do like what you said about the fact that you can't use traditional methods to mm-hmm. say say it again. <laughs> yeah, we no longer have traditional kids. You can't use traditional methods to teach our non-traditional kids today. We don't have kids that are coming from two-parent households. We don't have kids that all of our kids are not coming from those traditional settings. They don't have traditional values, traditional morals. You know, traditions are different now. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. by culture. Right. You know, it comes from uh, culture. It comes from how you're raised. And what is traditional to you now may not be traditional to me. So no longer can we we punish kids. We can't teach kids the way we used to teach our traditional kids. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so interesting because punishments means that there's a certain set of accepted rules that you broke, but Mm -hmm. if kids aren't coming from that same set of values Mm -hmm. or roles Mm -hmm. or traditions, then it won't even make any difference. (laughs) No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And punishment does, punishment does not work. Mm -hmm. Punishment and punishments are for the punisher. Huh. It's for the punisher. <laughs> Interesting. It's, yes, it's Unpack for the punisher. More. Explain mm-hmm. that. What? It's for the pun- You get satisfaction. Mm-hmm. When you give a punishment, you're getting the satisfaction, that punishment. Consequences should teach lessons because we want to teach life lessons because you don't want the kid to go out and do it again. Mm-hmm. There are so right. many factors as to why kids behave the way they do. You know, number one, it could be them being exposed to things that they shouldn't be exposed to. Number two, it could be them simply just maturing slow. Mm. 
They could be five, but their birthdays came late, so they're really four. Yeah, yeah. You know, hmm. um, there's so many reasons, and it's some of it is just they're being their age. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're being the age right, that totally. they are. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But our consequences have to teach lessons because our goal is for them to not go out and make the same mistakes again. Okay. And when they make a mistake, let's not tie that kid to that mistake. That's all we see. That's all we, every time we see that kid, we're bringing up that same mistake. We have to let them know that you hurt me with that one, but I forgive you. This is what I, these are my expectations. This is what I expect you to do. Okay, I love you. Go have a seat. Mm. Let's start over yeah. fresh. Wow. Yeah. 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 We have to let it go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so good. And that just it just reminds me of God's faithful love too, mm-hmm. actually, and the fact that we wrong Him so many times, and we mm-hmm. each of us have done so mm-hmm. many things, and yet He forgives us each time mm-hmm. and allows us to come back to him. And so I feel like that's the mm-hmm. kind of faithful love we also get to model mm-hmm. with our kids when Absolutely. we're serving and when we're volunteering. Absolutely. God gives grace. And mm-hmm. I, I I feel we should. I say mm-hmm. it all the time. Mm-hmm. God gives us grace. Nobody is sitting here without fault. Nobody is perfect. And if God can give us grace, why shouldn't we give it to our kids? Yeah. Why shouldn't we we demonstrate that to them? Yeah. Thanks so much for all of this work that you're doing. Oh, well, thank um, you. All, yeah, it's been so eye-opening for me. Um, I mentor a student also, and so this is helping me to think through how I can be a better listener and how I can help teach empathy better um, mm-hmm. and how I can be a model of God's faithfulness and love to Him as well. So mm-hmm. thanks for all of that. And I'm just amazed. You mentioned earlier that you're now in 17 schools teaching this work in 17 yes. different schools. Yes. So. Yes. Well, and and we do it all over the district. Yeah, so that's amazing. Yes. So thank you for doing that. I mean, your oh, work is being multiplied to mm-hmm. thousands of kids and families, and just so many different communities. So thank you so much mm-hmm. for for that. Yes, I, I know God has me in the right place. I l- absolutely love what I do. I love the people that I work with. Um, and I, I love the community. I love who we serve. I love our kids. So um, it it is definitely enjoyable. And I know I'm in the right place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And we look forward to learning more from you in the you. months absolutely. and years to come also. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to take Roxana up on her offer to train your church or school on restorative discipline, contact us at info at lovinghouston.net. For more tips from leaders like Roxana, join us at our next Leaders Luncheon. Find more information at lovinghouston.net slash workshops. We hope you'll join us next week, but until then, we ask that you would subscribe, pass this on, or think about who else you can partner with.